If you are eating jello with mandarin oranges, there's a good chance you might be in a Lutheran basement, church basement. Uh, now, I'm not picking on Lutherans. This is Garrison Keeler. You know, Garrison Keeler for, for decades had a radio program called uh, A Prairie Home Companion, and he was always poking, poking fun at his own tradition. And, uh, and that is not a bad picture of sort of a, a, a cheesy church stereotype of a word, fellowship. Fellowship, a very pedestrian view of an awesome gift from God. Fellowship. A lot of times we think of cucumber sandwiches and pimento cheese, but fellowship is something powerfully dynamic. And at the root of it is a true friend. Contrast that with, uh, with this picture of Thursday nights in a living room of a local physician who opened up his home to a bunch of college students. And every Thursday night, we would get together and wrestle and ask questions. A bunch of kids that looked forward to getting together with each other and around the word. I was one of those students, and I remember one, one uh, weekend when I had midterms coming up, and I called them up and said, could I come to your house and spend the weekend studying in your upper room, your, uh, your extra guest room? He said, yeah. And I remember um, the first night that I was there, I had all my books there and everything spread out, and I was sitting down, and there was a little knock on the door, and he came in and brought this frosted glass, tall glass of whole milk and a snicker bar that had been cut up sort of uh, diagonally and fanned out on, on a plate. It was, it was incredible. I mean, it was just like, this is amazing. I mean, sitting here and buckling down to study. And he, see, that, that's a picture. That's a, it's a better picture of a real friend and real fellowship. The question is, though, do, do you discover friends, or do, do, do they just sort of fall, fall to you? Do they just sort of uh, fall into your life, or do you intentionally create time and space for them? Do you, do you, you know, make the jello with the mandarin oranges and show up in the fellowship hall, or do, do they just sort of, you know, blossom, you know, spontaneously, organically out there? And the answer is both both. You see, when you discover a friend, when you discover a kindred spirit, you are responsible as a steward to invest, to take the risk of investing in that relationship, in that friendship, in that person. It's a precious gift that God gives us. He gives us iron, he gives us gold, and he gives us diamond relationships. But we have to invest in iron, gold, and diamonds. Let me, uh, let me read to you some scriptures that will help you understand what I'm talking about. First, from Proverbs 27. All of these should be familiar to you. Proverbs uh, 
find the book of Proverbs, just open the middle of the Bible. You'll probably hit it. If you hit the Psalms, just turn to the right. Proverbs 27, 17. Iron sharpens iron. And one man sharpens another. What an image. You ever sharpened your knife? You ever sharpened it? We're going to talk about that, what that looks like. Real friendship. Iron sharpens iron. Second, Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Finally, this. So, from Matthew uh, 7, 12, right in the middle of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. So, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Let's pray together. God, would you bless these scriptures this morning, not only to our minds to understand them, but to our hearts and hands that we may believe and live. In Jesus' name, amen. World War I was trench warfare, characterized by trench warfare. And between the, uh, the Allied forces, particularly Great Britain and England, there was uh, a, a famous, there was a famous uh, Shakespearean phrase that was used, once more into the breach, dear friends. And the breach is that, that no man's land between two opposing forces. And there's a, there's a story, maybe urban legend, but probably true and composite, of, of a man named Jim, who knew that his friend was still out there in no man's land and probably mortally wounded. And so he asked his lieutenant whether he could go out and get him. And the lieutenant said no. And he said, well, I'm going anyway. And he ran out to get him and brought him back and tumbled together with him into the trench. And the lieutenant said, uh, that was foolish. Look, you're seriously injured and your friend is dead. And he said, well, he wasn't dead a minute ago. When I got to him, he said, Jim, I knew you'd come. A friend is someone that God puts into your life as a great gift. And it's a gift into which we must invest. We must invest in iron and gold and diamonds. First, iron. We must take the risk of friendship to invest in iron. In other words, we must take the risk of candor. A real friend risks candor, even confrontation. A true friend even bumps into you in a way that is winning, in a way that is in your best interest, in a way that recognizes that you may be going the wrong way. And so uh, if, he, if he shoulders into you, it, it, it might bruise a little bit. It might hurt a little bit. Picture that iron, sharpening iron. What does that look like? Steel on steel. 
sometimes grating, but it makes you better. It makes you sharper. We must be able to take the risk. And the risk is, uh, the risk is that it might not be received very well. If you take the risk and you, you step into somebody's life in a way, you speak into somebody's life in a way that says, look, I, I'm not, I don't really like what I'm seeing. It, they might not receive it very well. You risk, sometimes you risk the entire friendship. But if it's really a friend, it will be iron sharpens iron. It'll be iron sharpens iron. The, the, the word here that I want to explain to you this morning is, is a word that's very difficult to explain but crucially important for you in your spiritual growth and just in your everyday being who you are. And the word is this, differentiation. Differentiation. Differentiation is a word that, that, that says you are in the mix with other people, but you're still yourself. You're able to, to get in there and, and to, uh, to deal with other people of different values, but you maintain your values. Differentiation means that, that, that you're able to be yourself in the midst of so many other selves. Differentiation. To know who you are and who you are not in the midst of other people. That makes it possible for you to be an ironclad friend. Let me read to you a, a quote from Emerson. And then I'll, this is going to be difficult to, to take in just listening to it, but then I'm going to tell a story that I think will help you understand what this differentiation is all about, an iron sharpening iron. Friendship, this is Emerson and his famous essay on friendship. Friendship requires that rare tension between likeness and unlikeness. Now, so far so good, right? That rare tension between likeness and unlikeness. Now, see if you can follow this. That peaks each with the presence of power and of consent in the other party. In other words, there's something attractive about the things we have in common. There's also something attractive about the things that, that make us different. So friendship requires that likeness and unlikeness. Not just that I'm constantly changing myself or whittling myself away in order to have everything just in common with you. Right? Friendship requires both likeness and unlikeness. Then he goes on, he says, let him not cease an instant to be himself. The only joy I have in his or any friend being mine is that the not mine is mine. I hate where I looked for a manly furtherance or at least a manly resistance to find a mush of concession. <laughs> That's so good. I have to read it again. Uh, I hate where I looked for a manly furtherance or at least a manly resistance to find a mush of concession. And don't, don't be thrown off by the gender thing. Let me, let me tell you a story of, um, of a couple that Beth and I knew about 20, almost 25 years ago. Uh, and and, and uh, this couple was somebody that we really cared about and were spending a lot of time with when we were in Houston. And uh, I'm just going to call them James and, and Joyce. James and Joyce, not their real names. James, James and Joyce uh, were a delight to be around when they were together, but uh, every time we were walking with them, 
James would drop back so that uh, he and I could talk, and, uh, and Joyce and Beth could talk. And there was always something about their, their marriage. It was always something that, that they were wrestling with about their marriage. And I couldn't quite get my mind around what was going on and what the problem was because he was trying so hard to get along with this woman. And she, she seemed very interested in who he was as a man. But then after uh, uh, some many months, I, I began to pick up on the fact that she didn't respect him at all. And I couldn't understand why because he was an outstanding person. He was, a, he, was, he was great in so many different ways. But then I began to notice that no matter what she said or did, he tried to be a people pleaser. And so she was not married to the man. She was married to the boy. She was married to the boy who was afraid to be different, to be differentiated, to be himself in that relationship. She was married and she was looking for the man. She was pushing against him and pushing against him harder and harder and in meaner and meaner ways. Sharper and sharper, iron versus iron, and she kept running into mush. She couldn't figure out who that man was. You see, the, the thing is, is that, that when, when we take the risk of iron candor, when we take that risk, what we're saying is, you're worth the risk. Do you see? You're worth the risk. That I believe in you so much. I believe in, in our friendship so much. I respect you so much that I'm going to give you the real deal. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you who I really am. I'm not going to just try to mold myself into agreement with you constantly so that we can just get along. That there's so many more important things than just getting along in that moment. And that's being who you really are. And when that person bumps into that other person, to do that in, in an intentional way, to invest in that other person on purpose, not to pick fights, not just to look for problems, not to, not to it's not that you don't let things go, you let things, I mean, I, I say let, let, it, let it go three times, and then the fourth time, or, or two times, and then the third time say, you know, this has been happening, and it's starting to, I'm starting to notice it as a pattern. Let things go, but, but I'm saying that when you do run into differences, Lean into them. Invest in the iron. Be really who you are. That's, see, that is to put yourself out there in a way that says, this is who I really am, and I want you to know me. And I'm different from you. And that's okay, because I believe in something that's bigger than, than just you or just me. And I'm, worth, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to invest in you and, and in this friendship. See, that's the message that gets sent tacitly when there's some candor involved in a friendship. It says, you're worth the risk. We've got to invest in iron. Second, we have to invest in gold. And gold is the golden rule, of course. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Now, see if you can get your mind around it real quick. Again, because you're, you're saying, what I'm going to do to somebody else is the thing I would, do, I would want them to do if I were in their position. So if I reverse roles and they were in my position, I'm going to sort of project, what would I want 
them to do for me or to me. That's the golden rule. We need to be willing to invest in the golden rule. Now, there are a couple of different risks in investing in gold, all right? A couple of different risks. The first one is that it might not be reciprocated, right? So, so in a friendship, a true friendship, there has to be total freedom, right? And so unconditionally, you're, you are offering to do the right thing in that relationship. You're going to simply do the right thing. I'm going to do unto others as I would uh, have them do unto me. That's my business. That's all I owe. That's what I owe. I'm not in charge of them reciprocating it. I'm not in charge of them uh, following that golden rule. I'm in charge of me, and I have enough to say ble- uh, grace over myself, right? I mean, I, am I 100% on this? Where am I? Am I even 80%? So I don't need to be in charge of their golden rule. I need to be in charge of my golden rule, right? And so there's a risk in operating by the golden rule, doing unto others as you would have them do unto you, as opposed to what Benny Hill said many years ago. I don't know if you ever watched that Benny Hill show. Don't watch it. Do unto others, then run, all right? So the golden rule is, is an expression of unconditional love, no matter whether they uh, reciprocate or not. So there's a risk, but we have to invest in gold. I remember being um, in a locker room one time, with some guys after a workout, and I was listening to their conversation. I was eavesdropping because that's one of my hobbies. And so I, I was listening to them talk, to each, talk at each other. Well, I, 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 I put this much on the stack. Well, I put this much on the stack. Well, I did this many uh, pull-ups. Well, I did this many pull-ups. I did this many. Well, I've been doing, and I, 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 I you know, me, 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 right? I mean, it was just back and forth. And... Uh, it, that's what it sounded like to me. It was like, me, 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 right? Just back and forth. And they were just missing each other, totally missing it, total lack of reciprocation. You know, that conversation would have been changed dramatically, powerfully, if one of them had just said, oh, really? You were able to do five more push-ups than you did last? I mean, you know, this, is this what guys talk about in the locker room? I guess so. But... I mean, but, but just one little expression of, of empathy just to get in their moment, right? Oh, so someone says something to you about their day, and you say back to them, really, tell me more about that. That's just a very small expression of empathy. That's what we want. We want to be heard. We want to be listened to. Not just, oh, your day went this way? Well, let me tell you about my day, right? That's why somebody said that most uh, listening isn't hearing, it's waiting, right? Waiting for your turn. But the golden rule, I mean, how, how do you want to be listened to? Do you want to say something just so that someone can change the subject and tell you about their day? I mean, there should be some reciprocation, but shouldn't there first be uh, some expression that I heard what you said, right? Of course, that's empathy. But see, if, if I empathize with you, there's a risk that you might not reciprocate. Well, tough. That's what friendship takes. It takes a, the risk of investing. So that's the first risk. The second, the second risk is that if you, if you actually empathize with somebody, right? If you actually listen to them, you might hear them. You say, Tim, well, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with actually hearing them? Well, if you actually hear what somebody is saying to you, then guess what? There's some responsibility that comes with it. 
right? You might hear something that's not good. You might hear something that you disagree with. You might hear something that needs to be addressed, and this person isn't addressing it, and they're blind to it, but now you're seeing it because you're, 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 you've got some emotional distance from that situation, and how are you going to handle it? Are you just going to bounce back up and be a people pleaser, a mush, or are you going to deal with it with iron? You see, so the golden rule and iron come together here because what you would want from somebody else is to tell you the truth. It's to tell you the truth. Uh, Jordan Peterson is a, a, a clinical psychologist professor from Canada. He's, he's, his his um, star is shooting right now. Uh, people are um, picking up that on the fact that he's pretty, pretty bright, pretty brilliant. And he's got a book out called 12 Rules for Life. And one of them is... Never let your children do something that, you, that, that, that makes you resent them, all right? And so that is just an example of the kind of situation that we face in any kind of relationship or any kind of friendship. So he, he uses a parent-child uh, way in, into the, as a doorway into talking about something, and that is... That is that when you see something going on with somebody else's life that you don't like, a true friend operating by the golden rule is going to say something about it. And not just shrug their shoulders and say, you know what, these are differences between you two, you and, and, and me, and so to each his own. That was when my uh, a family member uh, long since passed, it, it was his, his, fam- his favorite expression, to each his own, to each his own, to each his own. And that might have been fine for, for, for his generation, but in our generation of relativism, it's not okay just to shrug your shoulders and say, to each his own. When someone else that you really care about is doing something that's not good for them. And so the risk is that, that you become responsible for actually hearing what somebody else says, and then the golden rule says what? Be nice. No, <laughs> the golden rule doesn't say be nice. The golden rule says, be real. Do unto others what you would have them do unto you. If you're running headlong into, some, into stupid, right? If you're running headlong into stupid, then you want a good friend to say, hey, you might want to turn, right? So that's investing in gold. Finally, investing in diamonds, and that's back to this Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. So think about that for a minute. Let's, let's wrap our minds about, around what this means. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Okay, so, so, so we find connection with people sometimes when we have a common enemy, right? It's like, we're, blood, we're brothers, we're blood brothers, right? Because we both don't like what's going on over there. And now we're, we're bonded in this, this, this uh, common vision of what we're against. But a friend loves at all times. See the contrast? Now, when you remove the, the common enemy, maybe the friendship remains, Right? What we're against is no longer an issue. Are we still friends? The common enemy is gone, right? Well, maybe or maybe not. But a true friend 
loves at all times. All times. And so you might forge a friendship in a common vision of being against, but you persevere in friendship when you see something out there in the distance that you both are in favor of, that you're for. You see, the, the friendship is not about having a friendship. The friendship is about that other thing. It's, it's to say, uh, you too? Let me read from uh, C.S. Lewis who says this. Friendship is born at that moment when one man says to another, what, you too? I thought that no one but myself. The very condition of having friends is that we should want something else besides friends. Where the truthful answer to the question, do you see the same truth, would be, I see nothing and I don't care about the truth. I only want a friend. Well, in that case, no friendship can arise. There would be nothing for the friendship to be about. And friendship must be about something. Even if it were only an enthusiasm for dominoes or white mice. I don't know why I chose that example. <laughs> Those who have nothing can share nothing. Those who are going nowhere can have no fellow travelers. You see, so the risk is the risk of rejection. See, what diamonds are about is about transparency. Is to say, this is who I really am and I want you to know me. It's to say, I really care about that thing over there. I really love that. Right? And sometimes it can be something small. I mean, it, it, it can be something really small and you put yourself out there and and someone might say, well, oh, that's silly. I can't believe you like that. And that hurts. There's a risk. There's a real risk. It might be very trivial, right? It might be that you like a particular song. And to you, that's, that's an emotional thing. You, for, for you, the other person doesn't really know it, but, but you're taking a huge emotional risk in saying that you like this particular song. Now, if it's by the Carpenters, that's a huge risk. Now, that's not... <laughs> You don't want to do that. Just kidding. So diamonds, is, uh, diamonds are transparent. But in order to have a friend, you, you have to be able to put yourself out there so people can discover that you have something. It's that third thing that your friendship can be about, something you care about. I remember uh, one time Josh McDowell, who's an author, uh, he was at a conference, and I happened to be sitting next to him at lunch, and he was telling me um, that he missed his family. He missed his wife, missed his kids. And um, he said, but don't tell me, he said to the table, he said, don't tell me just to pray, right, and get over it. Don't tell me, don't spiritualize it away. Don't, don't say that, that when I miss my wife and my kids, when I'm away from them, that I'm, I'm just supposed to let Jesus be in, fill the gap. No, I think Jesus leaves that gap open because I think God gave me my wife and my kids in order to be in my life for a particular reason. And, and, and so don't tell me just to pray because I'm going to miss them until I get home. And so my point in telling you that story is, that, in fact, God does do certain important things through relationships, through friendships, through family. And if you're not putting yourself out there, 
If, if you're not looking towards a common ideal, if you're not taking the risk of diamonds, of being transparent, of saying, this is who I really am, then you're going to wonder, where is God? Why does he seem so far off? And yet, over and over and again, he's inviting you to be differentiated, to be a person who is not just mush, to be somebody who's not just constantly trying to please somebody else, to be somebody who is, is willing to, to, to operate by the golden rule, even at the risk of a lack of recipro- reciprocation, even at the risk of, of, uh, of, of not uh, wanting to say what needs to be said, even at the risk of being truly open about who you really are. That's a real friend. A friend who's willing to invest in iron and in gold and in diamonds. Let's pray. Father in heaven, how we thank you. We thank you that you were that kind of friend. Greater love has no one than this, than that he should lay down his life for his friends. Father, in these closing moments, as we consider what our friendships are, we look to you, Lord Jesus, and we see what you did. We see the way that you took that huge risk of laying down your power and your glory and your authority in some ways. You made yourself vulnerable. You took on the nature of a servant and being found in appearance as a man, you humbled yourself and became obedient even unto death, even death on a cross. Lord, we would be that kind of friend, a friend who would go to the mat for one another. We would be the kind of friend that would grow us up, that would fill our friendship cup, but more than that, to fill us up as people, to be who you've called us to be. And so God, would you help us to be the best stewards of our friendships. In Jesus' name, amen.